Welcome to the Prolific Author Podcast. Let's face it, readers read fiction to feel emotion and be transported and transformed. In this ongoing digital revolution, where online marketing is always in flux, the only way to create a sustainable author business and live off your royalties is to write transformational stories, market at every stage of the author journey, and cultivate a loyal audience of readers. Fortunately, there's never been more opportunity to make a living as a fiction author. Hi, I'm Liesl Hill, USA Today bestselling author and story clarity coach. When I'm not dictating my own stories about dragons, serial killers, and dystopian worlds, I help other authors write their own transformational fiction, position them as bestsellers, and market them like pros. Join me on the podcast where I give writing tips, marketing how-tos, story advice, and interviews with other authors who are in the trenches just like you and making it work. We are prolific authors. Okay, we are here today with Peyton Lynch. How are you, Peyton? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're glad to have you on. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> Why don't we start by um, just having you tell everyone who you are and what you do and what you write. Absolutely. So my name is Peyton Lynch, and uh, by day, I am a product manager at the Walt Disney Company uh, for the Disney Cruise Line Navigator app. And by night and even in the mornings, um, I am a writer, a first-time writer, actually. Uh, I'm currently in the process of writing my first uh, nonfiction book uh, with the working title Rise from the a Ashes, uh, What the Children of 9-11 Can Teach Us. Mm -hmm. And it, it's an exploration into uh, where these kids are 20 years later. Um, and this sort of the idea came from my husband is uh, a 9-11, as they call them, surviving children. Uh, wow. And he lost his dad. Yeah, he lost his dad um, that day in 9-11. Uh, and as everyone has been going through this tough season here in 2020, uh, we've been definitely hit with several, several challenges. Um, he was recently laid off from the Walt Disney Company due to COVID-19. Uh, we both lost grandparents this year. And to top it off, we are struggling with infertility and when I say struggling I've been the one struggling and I've <laughs> seen him of course being upset through this but also a lot um, just handling a lot better than I have been so I wanted to go on this discovery journey and, and learn a little bit more as to okay what what is the secret sauce here what does he know that I don't that's helping him to thrive this year even though we've come up against these challenges and as I started uh, talking more with him and talking more about his story with 9-11 and started interviewing other children of uh, not, who lost parents in 9-11, what I found is there's this shared resilience that has come over 20 years. Uh, and so I'm looking to really tap into that. Uh, I've learned a lot myself of, okay, here's what I need to do next time I come up against, you know, something that might look in that grief and trauma category. And I'm hoping to uh, help others discover that same freedom from what they've learned. Wow. So you think that the, um, the resilience then must be because, because of the tragedy that they suffered and making their way back through it. Yes. Many of them have called it uh, a beautiful tragedy, which is, is hard to even say that. Uh, but I think now after 20 years, many of them are recognizing, okay, well, I didn't want to lose my parent, right? I would still rather have my parent with me all these years and here with me now. However, 
they learned something that day and, and now in the, the 20 year span after that, that has set them up for success as adults. Um, most of them value their family and friends um, as well as all things that they have. They're way more grateful um, than I would say myself or those who didn't go through a, a traumatic event as a child. Um, and they're also more hopeful, right? They, they've, they've already lived the most challenging day of their life. And so they know, you know, whatever hits them, they're going to be able to overcome it. Um, a great example I recently interviewed, her name is uh, Nicole Foster, and she lost her dad in 9-11. And then at the age of 14, she was diagnosed with leukemia. And I asked her, I was like, were you ever angry? You know, did you ever turn around and go, why me? And she's like, no, because I just had to keep putting one foot in front of the other, um, which is there. That was so humbling for me as I've been asking the why me questions this year. Uh, and so I hope others can hear that in what these uh, children of 9-11 have to say that there is hope, right? If we continue to look for the light, uh, there is hope for us. Wow. Yeah, I think there's a lot to unpack in, in, in what you've just already said. I mean, sometimes putting one foot in front of the other can be the hardest lesson to learn, but it's also the most useful. Um, it's true. And it's us. baby steps, right? It doesn't yeah. have to be, you know, the big decisions, they always seem like they're the most important, but sometimes it's just those little things. And what I found through this is that I personally have been having 20 I've been having 2019 goals in 2020 <laughs> and we can't do that. Right. We need to say, all right, I got up today and that is a good day for 2020 um, and sort of level set those expectations because each little step is going to help us get to the next level. Yeah, for sure. And it's a really fascinating um, topic anyway, because, you know, most of my audience is going to be fiction writers who, mm -hmm. who are writing more fictional stories, but it kind of still applies any story that you tell if you had somebody who's super privileged and has everything they need and never goes through the tragedy or goes through the hardship or has to overcome everything that's a super boring story right but so you can kind of apply this in the same way that they almost need to go through the tragedy in, a, in order to come out on the other side hopeful would, would you agree with that yeah absolutely i think uh our, our fiction stories at least the the ones that we love are based in truth, right? Mm -hmm. There's this, there's this arc that comes from real life that we recognize in real human stories and we relate to them because they remind us of ourselves, right? Yes. I mean, our, uh -huh. our favorite character, think of your favorite character. Um, it probably, you probably resonate with that character. And so, um, that's what I'm finding in these stories is there is totally this arc and it sort of has taken 20 years for, a lot of these um, children, now adults, right? I call them children because they lost a parent uh, that day, but they're all at least 20 years old now. And right. it took that much time to take them through that discovery, um, which is also something in important to remember. If you're in that journey, if you're in the middle of it, it's hard to see, you know, okay, 10 years from now, it might look like this. Um, so that's always something to con consider, you know, when you're you're thinking about that overarching story. Yeah, for sure, for sure, that's great. So what is your, what is your process to get this written? Do you have a, a particular process nailed down or? Yeah, it's, um, it is a lot of baby steps, but I actually am in a, a cohort right now. Uh, and that's how I really got into this process. 
Uh, it's a book writing cohort through a university and it has really helped me to break that process down because I'm not an, I'm not an author by trade. And so I don't know all those tricks. Um, but as I mentioned, it's those baby steps that really <laughs> help um, get you places. Um, for me, it was first identifying what are those, the, those two intersections of, of topics that seem really different, but actually have a connection. And for me, it was, okay, my husband had a parent who um, was killed in 9-11 and I'm going through an infertility struggle that seems not related at all, but it's mm -hmm. the grief and trauma in the middle that mm -hmm. intersect. Um, and that's where the, that's the story is, right? In the middle of where those uh, come together. And then from there, it was just, you know, doing as much research as possible, setting aside time to do interviews and outreach. Um, I learned about myself that it's important to understand what kind of writer you are. Um, I'm someone who can get up every morning and write for about an hour or two. And that's sort of my process. And then I give myself the weekend off to sort of uh, digest and think things through and sure, um, yeah. you know, deal with that writer's block <clears throat> um, in that time. And so I would say that finding out what kind of writer you are, you know, if you're an episodic writer who is just like, like, okay, the term paper is due tomorrow. I'm just going to get it all done in the ninth hour. Or if you're someone who likes to be a little bit more prepared, uh, you know, there's writers in every breath of that. Um, but I think it's just important to recognize which one you are and then communicate with the people around you about what style you are and what your goals are. Uh, it was very important for me early on to start sharing on social media and with my family and friends that I'm writing this book. And I very early on told them, I plan on having it published by this date. Um, and <laughs> now I feel beholden, right? They know uh -huh. about it. They know it's coming. They're going to be asking for it. So um, I've set those boundaries around myself and also shared it with those around me. I know my husband knows, you know, tonight is a writing night for me. And so he's going to steer clear of that. We're not going to schedule other plans around it. So having others around you uh, to support you can really help with the accountability portion. Nice. Yeah, I really like that. So can you tell us a little bit more about the cohort? I don't think everyone's going to know exactly what that means. Like, what is it? How does it work? And, and what role does that play in your writing? Yes, let me, um, I should have been prepared with this, but I want to find the exact name of the cohort so that I'm telling you. All right, so the name of the cohort is Creator Institute as a part of Georgetown University, and it is run by uh, Professor Eric Custer, and it started as uh, I what I imagine it would, would have been an in-person class at Georgetown University, which has now expanded to this massive online program. Uh, mm -hmm. The program is free. I am no longer a student um, having graduated with my MBA this past year. Uh, and the only fee is for your development developmental editor. Uh, and so you just pay that so that they can help you to develop through that process, uh, which was really important to me because I, as I mentioned, first time writer here, 
Um, mm -hmm. I didn't know all of those different steps and tricks, right? I'm sure I could be self-disciplined enough to sit down and start writing, but then what, right? How do I get this thing published? Right. Um, how do we market it? Those are the details that they really help with. Okay. Uh, and so starting in the fall in August, we, the, our cohort meets uh, weekly on Tuesday evenings. There's different times based on what works for you. And we just meet for an hour and uh, Professor Coaster just shares, uh, here's, here's the milestones we have for all of you this week. Here are some of the tips and tricks that we think can help you through this week. And then in addition to that, uh, about a month into the process is once, once I started meeting with the developmental editor who then uh, started to talk through the book, right? Um, uh -huh. Are we going in, the, in a direction that makes sense? Where else do we need to continue rounding things out above and beyond what you've already written? Um, and then they also help provide goals. Again, first time writer um, <laughs> could just keep writing and writing or maybe not have enough content and not know if that's really enough. Uh, and so they help set goals uh, for first time writers of having 25,000 words um, by the time that you hand in your, your first draft, your messy draft, uh, nice. which is a good starting place for a first time author. Right. So they're a lot about like accountability and then um, just guiding you through the process, that sort of thing. Exactly. And they're just there to help you. They're not here to write the book for you by any right. means. Um, and, and they really helped us to find a developmental editor that would align with our goals, uh, which was great because again, it's, we're all very passionate about our topics. It's yeah. the logistics of getting there. Right. And, and for me, um, I always love school because I kind of like the idea of being accountable to somebody every week and knowing that there's milestones along the way. Right. And, and to be clear, is this, um, these are, this cohort is for nonfiction books or is it, does it include fiction as well? It does include fiction. So uh, the, the cohort includes nonfiction and fiction, and then they'll pare you down into uh, fiction versus nonfiction for your meetings just to start focusing that content a bit better to the audience. Great, great. Well, I will um, link to that in the show notes so that people can check it out if they want to. Um, awesome. So do you, you said you have a future date for when you want your book to be published or something in mind anyway? Yes, the goal is uh, August, 2021. Uh, so right now I'm saying summer 2021. Mm -hmm. um, and so in, along with those timelines, the goal is to have that first draft done uh, January, mid, mid January, 2021, so that we can go through all those edits. Uh, and their recommendation has been to either self publish or hybrid publish, mm -hmm. just because of, it can be so cumbersome to go through that um, full publishing process. And the world right. really is changing to allow for a lot of self publishing, right. uh, which is which is good news for my timeline, given my hope is to have the book out before uh, the 20th anniversary of September 11th. Wow. Yeah, it's coming up fast, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's amazing. Um, you know, I remember that one of the things I talk about in the book is I don't think anyone doesn't remember where they were, right? right. Unless they weren't born. Um, and so uh, talking to these kids who remember so well where they were and then finding out that their parent, uh, that they lost their parent that day, it's just such, such an interesting perspective because it's really an event that has defined our nation, if not the world, and yet um, it's so personal for these people. So mm -hmm. 
really, really interesting. Um, it's hard to say I'm excited about this topic. Uh, <laughs> nobody wants to be excited about interviewing people about their trauma, but I've learned so much. Yeah, no, no, it is. It's, I think it's a very humanizing topic and it's, it's important to, to talk about it, especially with the anniversary coming up. So yeah, no, I, I totally know what you mean. Yeah. And especially with COVID-19, I think we're in this place where we were talked about the post 9-11 world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's really not a time that 9-11 doesn't come up in conversation um, all right. the time. And then now it's like, okay, well, what's a, what does a post-COVID world look like? And are we going through that same, those same feelings of isolation and fear and uncertainty? Because, you know, option A, I don't really know what the outcome of that is. And I don't mm-hmm. know the outcome of option B either. So um, it's a really interesting time to see those parallels between these massive events. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Anytime there's any sort of worldwide or national tragedy, I think those same feelings are probably going to arise for most people. Absolutely. So and to think probably... we've lived through them both in the span of 20 years. Right, yeah. <laughs> and maybe it's good to, you know, like we were saying, just good for you to interview these people so that they can, people can read these and define what they're feeling, you know, and, and relate to it, even if they didn't lose a parent in 9-11 or, you know, weren't born yet or whatever the case Exactly. The hope to, to that point is that this can create greater empathy for others um, mm-hmm. to understand, you know, we're all walking through something and these kids just walked through it very publicly. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's hard to narrow down something that um, very quickly, um, unfortunately killed 3000 people to one family, one person's story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the hope is that if, if we tell these stories, that something like this will never happen again, because the people who read it will gain compassion that they maybe didn't have before for other people's and, and what their stories are. Sure. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the point of stories is to live vicariously through them and, and kind of enhance our humanity through. Yeah living through how these are we experiences. Yeah. Yep. How are we changed by reading this? And um, that's, that's the hope, right? Is that they, they understand what this might feel like, even though they haven't, haven't been through it our, themselves, um, as well as if they are going through their own grief or trauma, how can they recover, right? Even if they're in the middle of it, seeing that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, that's really lovely. I like that. <laughs> So um, switching gears just a bit, I have to ask, because you work for Disney, and <laughs> Disney's sort of the magical kingdom, right? And I, I mean, I get that you kind of work on the business side of it, but has that, do you think that's influenced your writing or your, um, your empathy for these people? Or, I mean, tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been a Disney kid since birth. I, <laughs> I have been going to Disney World uh, since I, I can't even remember my first trip, right? Uh, and so I think that storytelling has always been a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think we can mostly all agree that Disney is one of the best storytellers out there. Right. Um, you know, we, we have a common goal here at Disney that our, our common goal is to create happiness. I mean, what, what a better goal to have. And, <laughs> uh, I think that's really evident in our storytelling. And so even though I do work on the business side, uh, a lot of what I do is about the guest experience. So I do have to think a lot about the guest story and their journey through, you know, okay, I just, I'm, I just booked my cruise or even before that I'm thinking about booking a cruise. Um, How do we get them through that so that they 
the end of their story is a magical vacation, right? Right. Uh, and so that has been instilled with me in my job. And I think it's really um, transcended into my writing is just this idea of um, good stories come from characters that we, we love, right? And then mm -hmm. how do we immerse people in those stories? So you've got a character that they love um, that they can relate to. And now we need to make them feel like they're a part of that story. Uh, and that's certainly been interweaved into my writing. And, and I really like that you brought that up because I, I think that kind of speaks to the marketing aspect, even of fiction. So how, how would you maybe relate that for my audience um, to how to market their story? I mean, you have the writing side, but then, you know, in order to, to market the story to their readers, would you say they need to find some way to immerse their readers in their story, even yeah. from the marketing aspect? Absolutely. And I think the first step that I've taken for that, and I'm still in this discovery journey, um, so jury's still out as to what <laughs> will uh, resonate. But what I've seen thus far is by sharing uh, that I'm writing this early and often has helped bring people along the ride with me. Uh, and that has been crucial. I remember that the first time I posted it, it wasn't just, hey, I'm writing a book. It was hey, I'm telling these stories about people um, and it's a story and it's an overarching story that I care a lot about and here's why. Um, and I have also, I mean, my husband and I are not shy. We have shared um, our infertility struggles uh, because again, that it's such a taboo topic that I think a lot of people are, feel very much in the dark about. So I've been public about it in hopes of finding others, um, you know, let them know that they're not alone. Uh, but from that vulnerability has come this book. And right. so they've seen that my husband lost his dad and they've seen how that's impacted our lives, and they, and they see how his job loss has impacted our lives and how our infertility is impacting our lives. And so they, they've already bought into, I don't want to say they bought into us, but mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they seem to care about us and our stories which, right. which is pouring into this, this book. Um, and so that's where I've seen the most engagement is from sharing early and often on social media posts, posts and then sharing updates along the way. I recently hit um, a 10,000 word mark, uh, which was a really big accomplishment. I never thought I would <laughs> say that. Um, I hit 10,000 words. Um, <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. And, <laughs> and so people were like invested in this with me, um, as well as after I've done some of the interviews, I've shared little snippets of quotes that they have felt comfortable with me sharing before the book is even out. Um, and so I know for a, a fiction author that might look a little bit different, but maybe if there are little snippets of stories that you can start to talk about, um, or go out there and just share a quick video clip of what you're thinking about or the direction of the book um, and get people's opinions. And that's what gets people talking and interested in what you're working on. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, do you find that you use like the same wording over and over again, or the same kinds of terms when you talk about it? I feel like that's something that can also just kind of educate people on what you're doing and then they'll get used to seeing those words or phrases. Have you found that to work for you as well? Absolutely. So uh, I, I do have a saved hashtag list, which is pretty important to maintain consistency there. Um, but above all that, 
9-11 surviving child is probably a really great example, right? I, I make sure to use that terminology uh, pretty frequently in my posts to help people understand uh, what exactly we're talking about and how, how that's going to be the, the focus of the book. Um, and it, it is, it's maintaining that tone, right? I'm, I am writing most of the book in, in my own words and then peppering in the interviews, um, but it's my voice, right? And so right. Um, I continue that voice coming across in my posts so that it, it won't feel so jarring when they go from <laughs> pagan social media to book. It should feel like a cohesive um, right. transition there. Yeah. Um, I do so, know in the cohort that they did recommend for some of the um, fiction authors about setting up a separate social media account for their uh, books, just because whatever genre you're writing in might take on a different voice than your own voice. Um, and so right. it, it sometimes makes sense to transition some of those uh, over there. But there's also, um, there's a bit of weighing pros and cons there that you have to start up a new audience. So it is something to consider. Yeah, for sure. Everyone's just, it, it's good to consider all the possibilities and then decide what works for you. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, thanks for that advice. So obviously, I always ask people what their plans for the future are. Obviously, you're going to be finishing this book, which you've talked a lot about. But what do you think beyond that? Will you continue to write more? Do you, will you consider, uh, excuse me, continue to work for Disney? Like, do you have any longer term plans? Yeah, the dream has always been to work for Disney. Um, and I do see that continuing to be a part of my career. Uh, you can imagine I'm really busy as they dropped mm -hmm. the, um, the CDC no sale order. So uh, there's lots to do in preparation of, of hopefully sailing again soon. Nice. Um, and it's been, it's one of those things I'll look back in five years and go, wow, look at what we did. <laughs> we, we closed an amusement park, we reopened it, and now we're reopening a cruise line. So um, very interesting time to be uh, working at the Walt Disney Company. Sure. Uh, but from there, I've always had uh, writing on my heart. And so I hope to continue doing that. I'll probably stick in the nonfiction genre and uh, I am interested in doing more thought leadership books and self-help books. Um, there's a few other of those. When I was thinking about what are the, the topics that intersect, right? I mentioned that earlier about um, right. in the middle is the story. And there's a few more things up my sleeve that I, I don't think I'm quite done uh, writing all those ideas down. And we haven't really talked too much about thought leadership. Can you just give us an idea what that is? Yeah, you. absolutely. Uh, so currently the book I'm writing, Rise from the Ashes, is a thought leadership book. So while I am doing real live interviews with people, um, I'm also peppering in, as I mentioned, that overarching theme of what's the secret sauce. And so uh, it's taking also interviews from our uh, experts in trauma and grief and f finding what that middle ground is that has helped people um, to move on, move, not forget about it, but continue moving forward, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is what we want for people who experience grief and trauma. So um, it's been, okay, I have all these facts, right? Now, what's that piece that from my own words and from my own expertise, as well as the research I've done, that adds that additional spin onto the book? Um, so what do our readers leave thinking about? What do they leave um, having learned? Have we changed their expectations of something that they came in thinking uh, one thing and leaving with another? I mean, think of, um, I think 
TED Talks are probably a really great example of thought leadership. Right. You come into the room and you're like, how many of you think that going to um, a really fancy university is the best way to get a job after school? And then they, you leave and they tell you, actually, you don't. And many of them are dropouts and what have <laughs> you. So that's that thought leadership piece um, that I'm looking at for the current book. And then from there, um, the, in that more moving to that self-help category, it's um, how do we take our real life experiences and uh, shine light on how we can do better or what did we learn from them so that we can help others learn from them as well. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited to see what you come up with. I think you, you're positioned to have a, some really great um, insights and gems in the, in the thought leadership arena. Well, it's, it's been really exciting. I, I think my, my own personal story is just starting to unfold in this year, um, mm -hmm. which I think has been, you know, really the impetus of this book is I've been very fortunate. I was very fortunate as a child to not have to go through anything really traumatic, but now I'm going through it as an adult for the first time. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm still in the middle of that. And so who knows five years from now, certainly hope that this part of my journey is over um, <laughs> before five years from now, but there might be something new there that I don't even know about. Um, and I think this year has just taught me that it's okay to have new plans and new dreams that you never even thought about. Yeah, I like that. That's very, very true. I think a lot of people are, are kind of hitting that in 2020, you know, with the way things are changing and everyone's kind of being forced to change how they're thinking about the yeah. world. Yeah, and about their career path, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, my own husband, he loved working for Disney um, and hopes to return uh, when the environment looks a bit different. But he has been very fortunate that he is also um, very crafty and has been making uh, lots of different things and, and selling them on Etsy. Uh, and he's been very successful doing that. And I don't think that's something he would have ever explored if he hadn't been let go from Disney. So uh, again, this other opportunity where, where there is uh, tragedy, there can also be triumph. Um, sure. It's just, it's just a little hard when you're in the middle of it just to <laughs> see the other side. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. But you can look back in a few years and then you see it. Exactly. If only we all had crystal balls, right? right. So <laughs> We're not asking for too much. Just, just a crystal ball. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today. This has been really fun. Um, do you have any last minute advice for writers who are aspiring and maybe not as, as far along the journey as you are? What would you tell them? I would tell them just start writing. I, I think that's really, I think it's probably very intimidating to see this blank page and be afraid of, oh my goodness, how am I going to get all this down on paper? Um, but what I found is once I just started writing the first word, it sort of came easily. And that's not to say that I haven't hit roadblocks and thought about direction changes along the way, but sure. it definitely flows much easier once you get started. Um, mm -hmm. And let go of that imposter syndrome. Uh, you know, as a first time author, it is really easy to say, I'm not qualified for this. I've never written a book before. I'm not gonna be able to do this. But um, there's a reason you feel called to write this book. And there's a reason that you are the person to write it. Uh, the world needs to hear it. So, uh, you know, as much as you can, I have to continue, like, constantly remind myself to 
crumple up that uh, that imposter syndrome and throw it away and throw it over my shoulder. Uh, but as much as you can self-talk yourself into writing it, otherwise you're going to be your biggest blocker um, to achieving mm -hmm. your own dream. Yeah, I agree. And I, I love what you said about um, you, there's a reason you feel called to write it. If, if you weren't supposed to yeah. be a writer, you wouldn't even be thinking about writing. I, I think that's exactly. Very true yeah. Great. Well, thank you again so much for being here. Oh, where can, uh, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Absolutely. So uh, you can follow me on Instagram at uh, Peyton Meets World, uh, P-A-Y-T-U-N-M-E-E-T-S-W-O-R-L-D. Uh, <laughs> that's where I'm posting most of the updates for my book, as well as uh, my website, which is PeytonMeetsWorld.Wixsite.com slash Rise from the Ashes. Nice. I will link to those in the show notes so people can find you. Thank you again for coming on and talking to us about this. It's a really inspiring topic. My pleasure, Liesl. Thank you so much. Yeah. Me again. Before you go, if you found value in this episode, I would love it if you could leave me a review. Reviews are the best way to show your appreciation and help others find this podcast. Be sure to screenshot it, share it on your favorite social media network, and tag me at LK Hill Books. Remember, the world needs your stories. Only you can change someone's heart with your fire-breathing dragons, your mind-blowing mysteries, your epic romances, and your intense thrillers. So join the revolution and be a prolific author.